My name is Dustin Kelly, but everybody calls me DJ. I'm prior army, serving as both a Ford observer and a military police officer. I've spent the last 14 and a half years as a police officer and detective in a large metropolitan police department. Two things that I've learned throughout my career. One, everybody has a story to tell. And two, the best stories are true. This is the DTD Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the DTD Podcast. Tonight, a very special guest. He's a man, a mentor, a speaker. He was part of DevGrew, and now he's figured out kind of how he wants to put his life into order, and he wants to help you put your life into order. Tonight, it's Eddie Penny. What's up, man? What's going on? How are you doing? Thanks for having me on here. Yeah, I'm I'm so happy you're here and and talking that we're we're closer than we thought we were. So yeah, that's a, we're only a couple miles apart. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty interesting thing. So what I want to talk about tonight is you have such an interesting story about not only where you came from, but kind of how you came through to where you are today. Because I think you would agree you're a hundred and eighty degree different person than you were, say, even five years ago. Absolutely. That's, that's spot on. Yeah. So when we talk about your, when we talk about your military service, you started as a Marine. Uh, you, you decided not enough action here. I'm not seeing enough, which is a crazy thing. I've never heard anyone say that. Uh, so you moved over to the Navy, you decided to go to the seals. Uh, and as you're going through seal training, uh, you're in second phase, nine 11 happens. Yes. So that's it. The first question that I want to ask how is it different for you than other guys you're going through? Cause you already had four years in the military. You've already seen all the pomp and circumstance, all that kind of stuff. Right. How is it different for you watching it on TV than these other guys that are kind of just learning how to be in the military? I think, I think no matter, I think at the time, um, no matter, you know, if you're a day in or maybe 10 years in the military, you're probably still taking it or just not even in the military at all. You're taking it the same way, like, whoa, is it, this is happening right here? Because I can't remember. I mean, we had the Oklahoma City bombing. I mean, right. that, was, that was horrible. But, I mean, the towers coming down, jetliners coming in, the media coverage that was on it, the just the stuff after the, the camaraderie, the American pride that followed it. Um, I mean, it was crazy. I mean, in my lifetime, I can't think of anything that's even on the level of all that coming together and being on the same playing field as that as nine eleven, uh, so but but I mean I tell you what uh, being in buds though with a little with a few years as in four years uh, military experience, I mean it was definitely I was definitely more mature, uh, just not by any action just by living longer and having life happen and being in the military of course you know with experience comes wisdom um, and so it definitely helped me out. Um, I'd like to say that I would have made it if I went right after high school, like I did in the Marines, goes trade to buds when I was 17 or 18 years old. Uh, but, but I honestly don't know. I was very mature and definitely that helped a lot. And I kind of like took on a big brother role, uh, not meaning to, it just kind of worked out that way. Like, Hey guys, it's not a big deal. It's a game. It's a game. Not that the other guys were freaking out or anything, but it just kind of like, that's just where I, my role kind of took place was I was a little bit older, not, not, compared to everyone, but quite a few of them, you know, they were definitely younger, new guys coming into the military, but yeah, it was, it was good. But man, 
I can I, as as you say, you know, second phase, nine eleven happens. I can just picture my tray putting it down and looking back, like what's going on on the TVs that they had lined across the wall in the back of the uh, cafeteria. So it's surreal, man. It's very surreal. As I'm sure you can remember exactly where you were. Yeah, I I remember when I saw the second plane hit. I told my wife it was like her first or second day of nursing school. We were stationed at Wachuca. And I told her I was, uh, I had just had surgery. Yeah. I was at Fort Huachuca. Where's that? Uh, down in Sierra Vista, Arizona. Okay. Gotcha. gotcha. So I had just had surgery on my ankle. So I was on uh, convalescent leave. I, she was getting ready for school. The first plane hits, then the second one hits. And I tell her, man, there's something wrong. Two planes don't hit two buildings yeah. right by each other. And then I remember just being captivated for like, three days in front of the TV just to see like every little bit of information that would come out or, or anyone that would visit the site or anything like that. And then I remember, you know, fast forward a bunch of years, we've been married forever. We go to New York for the first time together and we go down to where that is. And I'm thinking by most, you, you mentioned the Oklahoma city Memorial. I'm thinking, you know, it's a Memorial. It's going to be somber. It's going to be this and that. And we go down there. And people are like smoking cigarettes and joking around with each other and eating their lunch. And, and it, 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 it kind of put me in a weird place. I was thinking like, wow, that's, that's a strange thing to happen at a memorial. Not just that one, if it were to happen anywhere. And it, it kind of makes you think about everything that's going on today. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's just a different world right now. It is extremely different. It's yeah. Sadly, I'll throw out there. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and so when you see that, are you ready to go? Are you ready? You're in buds. So you're like, all right, let's get through this so we can get out and get our job done. Are you thinking that the whole time? Yeah. I mean, we, we didn't know what was going on. Obviously, you know, our minds are going crazy. Maybe they'll push us through. Maybe they'll shorten training. They got to get guys overseas. Right. Uh, and this, this is just us as bud students thinking stuff, talking, you know, what if, what if, what if, maybe, maybe. Uh, but I mean, we're, we're ready to go. Like, obviously you sign up for that. You got to be ready to go. You can't be signing up because you just want the title. You want to be a cool guy. If, if that's what you sign up for and they're sad to say there is a certain percentage that want that they want it for a resume, but the majority of the dudes are like, dude, I'm here for my country. Let's go. I'm taking the fight to the enemy. I want to be in the action. And that's, that was my mindset. Like, let's go, like, whatever we got to do, we got to do this training. Let's go get us overseas. I just wanted to go overseas. I didn't want to do the booze and cruise that we hear about. Right. right. I wanted to, I wanted to go to wherever the fight was, no matter where that country was or Island or ocean, it didn't matter. Like send me. And, uh, I think that was the mentality of the majority of the guys in my class, uh, was like, let's go. What do we have to do to do this? And I think it changed training a little bit. Like you took a little bit more serious, right. not that we weren't taking it serious, but it's like, okay, I really may need to use this, you know, especially when it comes to your firearm explosives, um, stuff like that. The diving was, is still very important, but obviously probably not going to be diving up the mountain of Afghanistan. <laughs> 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 yeah, definitely no. not. So, you know, I talked to Bill Rapier on here and and he said that dude's a stud. Yeah. Oh, yes. He, he is a stud. Absolutely. He told me that he was worried about not ever seeing action, that he had seen these guys and he was like, Man, they haven't done anything, or or maybe they've gone on one. 
were you kind of of the same mind state? I mean, of course, after you see 9-11, you know something's getting ready to happen. But before that, with the Marines and everything, were you thinking like, man, I hope I at least get to do something? Of course. Yeah. It's always, you know, uh, one thing I've learned is it's a, it's a lot of timing and it's a lot of place. It's your timing and your place. You can miss it. You can not miss it. Um, so yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. You're thinking about that. Like, what am I going to see? Cause you know, you get guys that are coming back from ops that do real world operations and you know, they're, they're taking the fights to the enemy and they're getting in firefights. You're like, I want that. I want that so bad. Um, until you're actually engaged in a firefight, then you're like, what, what, why was I wanting this? <laughs> so, but I mean, that's just, that's the nature of the beast. But yeah, I, yeah, of course you're thinking that stuff. You are, you're like hoping that you don't miss it. I mean, we call, I call it Tom's disease, terrified of missing stuff or shit, whatever. Uh, there's another acronym for it. I can't remember what's, uh, fear of missing out FUMU or I've heard that one too. So I, we have that big time. And uh, yeah, I was, I figured it, but I, with the way things were ramping up, I was like, we're, we're definitely going to see this. I mean, that's why I signed up for this year. These, these guys, the SEAL teams, it's like, those are the ones that go. I mean, you got, right. you got to use them, right? Yeah. <laughs> at least that's what I was thinking in my brain. Right. So where are we at right now with family, girlfriend, wife, where are we at right now in your career and in your age that you're at? Uh, when, when buds, when that happened, nine 11. Yes. Okay. So I had one child. She was three Kayla. We were in Sandy. I was married at the time. So one, yeah, one that married with one child at the time. And, uh, I'm going to talk about family a lot in this, but family on board with you about all this, like, are they, they behind you and, and know like, Hey, I know it's serious and it's dangerous, but we're behind you. How's it going right now? Yeah, I, you know, that's that's such a, that's a funny question because I, at that point in my life and my career, I, I hate to say I didn't care, but I don't think I cared. Okay. Um, it was like, hey, here's my, here's what I want to do. I want to get out of the Marines and I want to go become a SEAL. And then you always hear the, well, you know, not a lot of people make it. A lot of people fail. Um, and I, and I'm like, yeah, okay. So I just knew that barring an injury or something, I think it wasn't, it didn't matter it, that, that, that quitting or failing was not a part of me. It wasn't, it wasn't happening. It just, I honestly did not think about it at all. I didn't think about it. I mean, there was times like in hell week or when things really suck, like, yeah, I could totally quit right now, but like, but I'm not. So but here we are, this sucks. Uh, but I just, yeah. But I, but I told, I told my uh, wife at the time, I was like, yeah, we're, we're going to do this. Here's what it kind of looks like. And I'm like, are you, and I'm, I'm sure I asked her, are you okay with this? And she was very, she was supportive. It wasn't an issue, but I mean, to be honest with you, I don't think I would have cared if she said, no, don't do it. I would have still gone. That's just, I was very self-centered. I was very selfish in my ways, um, which I, I see after the fact now, uh, but it didn't matter at the time. I, I mean, I really just think that was my passion. That was my purpose. That, that's what, that was where, what I was my calling. And there was no, um, you know, her pulling me back saying, don't do it. Don't do it. It was like, okay, whatever. Sounds good. And, you know, get the kids. We get the kid. We go out to San Diego and that, that was that. And so everything is, is going okay right now. Uh, this is before deployments start happening. Uh, everything right, like right. that. You, you the have, in your, what's that? The calm. Yeah. The calm, the, before, the calm the before the storm. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, everything's okay. You're, you're getting into this lifestyle. 
you go out. Now you start doing combat deployments. Uh, you do two, um, and then we'll get into what you do after that. But you do two combat deployments. How do they work out? How is family going? What's your mind state as you're progressing through this? Uh, the first the first deployment was, you know, emails, Skyping, uh, missing the family. But I was so wrapped up and just consumed by being over there. And, and you, you really, you have to. You really can't let, you know, certain things uh, back home bother you or certain things like that. I remember being on times where if we would get in an argument like over Skype or something, I'd be like, I have to go right now. I can't do this. Cause I, I wanted to keep my mind clear. Like I had to keep my mind clear. That's just the way I was as, as uh, deployments progressed, it really wasn't a big deal. Cause I, you know, I was kind of was folding into the mold. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, it took, it took its toll the first one, you know, coming home with it, but then it's like automatically I'm like, all right, we're going back to the next one. Like I'm ready to go to the next one. When's our next work uh, or workup starts immediately pretty much after little vacay time and then back to it. And that's, that's really all that mattered. And, um, and I, I, I say this in pretty much all my podcast um, because it's so true. And I'm sure you've seen American sniper, correct? Yes, I have. So, you know, when Bradley Cooper comes back or Chris Kyle comes back and he's, he's drinking a beer and he's staring at a TV and the TV's not even on. Right. And I, I saw that I broke down. I mean, I was like, whole. Oh, I was like, that's it. That is, for me personally, that was it right there. Like I was checked out. I mean, I would still do the physical stuff. Like I love you kids. I love you wife, all that good stuff. But my, like, I'd be thinking about like just going back over there and it, it's, it's peaceful over there because you don't have bills to worry about. You know, like, I mean, I hate saying this. I mean, it has a different meaning today, but like family stuff, got to go do this kids to school, um, chores, grocery store, get the garbage out. Did you get the cans back in? The gas is out of the car. Now we need an oil change. Oh, you got to get a state inspection. All these things over there. There was nothing. It was don't die and keep your buddies alive. It was very simple. And that's the way I, that's the way my brain took it. That's the way I process things. Uh, but it was, it was easy. It was very easy. Over there. Let me ask you with that though, when you say something like that and you say it was just easy over there and you, you basic it down very much with that. I mean, you, you've cut out a lot of things. You say, don't die, keep your body alive. Very true. But looking back on it, don't you think it's a lot more complicated than that? Your brain just may not have been processing that at the time. I think, I think a lot of it is that just like, you know, as, as each second goes on in our life, we're processing things as we do it, right? right? As we do the podcast right now, you and I are both processing this as the person that's listening to this is processing each second as it comes to them and they process. But I think also at that, at that moment, and, and you know, this is, is in your current profession, the more you do it, it's second nature, right? You just, you just get on it. And, and as the deployments progressed, it was just like, Hey, this is it. This is all I care about. This is, this is where my, it's just is where my heart was. My heart was there. It wasn't saying like, screw you family. Right. But, but at the same time, it was like, screw you family. It sucks. Like, it's so sad to say right now. Like I say these words and it it tears me apart because uh, as I'm sure, you know, I got custody of my children. It like totally did my 180 as we discussed. Yeah. We're we're going to talk about that. But uh, yeah, but, but at that time it was, it was Eddie, 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 
uh, country, and I and I would throw in the country. Oh, it's for the country, and, and it was for the country. Um, that's what. That's all that mattered. That's all that mattered, and just my heart was there. Like that. That's it. I, I couldn't help it. I couldn't turn it off. It was like a drug. It's no different than a lot of people I've interviewed on the show where they just say, I had a family and I loved him and everything, but I just could not wait to get back in the fight. I wanted right. to be with my brothers. I wanted to protect them. I wanted to, I wanted to do the job that I was meant to do. And, and I've heard it over and over and over again. And, and I, I understand what you're saying about that. I just wonder at what point does, and I've asked all of them, at what point does it set in and it starts becoming a mental block instead of uh, helping you? You know how you say, yeah, I can't argue with you right now. I got to keep my mind on mission. But at what point does it build up so much that it's a block? That's a great question. I'm sure for each person it's different. But uh, I, to be honest with you, I, I'm thankful for the block whenever it came in and to block it out to focus on the mission. Because, I mean, there's... I remember being on ops, thinking about other things for a split second. I was like, "Whoa, that was that was a close one. That was a close one." So yeah, I just, you got to turn that outside world off and focus on what's right in front of you. Um, and, and you and you know this very well. So yeah, I I, I there's got to be. We got to talk to the guys that study the brain for that or, one. Yeah, when is that right? <laughs> And, and, and that's the whole thing is that, that you wonder, like you go through these things when you say you shut off, you just do what you have to do to get through the situation. And then you look back on some of those things, you go, holy shit, I can't believe that happened. You know, and, and even if it's not maybe necessarily something that's going to kill you or anything like that, but you look back and you go, holy shit, that was either like really stupid that I did that, or I can't believe I made it through that. there. There is those times when you look back on that and yet you go back and do it again and again and again and again. And yeah. part of it is the adrenaline. Part of it is whatever. But then as you get older and you start looking back on it, you're like, man, I, I cannot believe I'm still standing right here. Yeah, it's a totally different mindsets. I mean, just as we sit here and talk about it, thinking about some of the things I did, I'm like, dude, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, I'm sure I'll have more of those. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and that's the whole thing. Like, not only did did you become a seal and you tried out for devgrew and you made it to devgrew and everything but you were also a breacher like you couldn't get enough of being up front at the show tom's disease i told you you got to be up there and and, you, you and gotta yeah work. you got to be working and for me like the breaching was like the the pinnacle i i that was that was just phenomenal walking into a blast into an unknown room not knowing what you have and letting your brain process as fast as possible and right. that was just like to me that was the that was that was the best if there was ever a drug that was the that was my drug of choice right there with that that walking into that room without knowing what was in there it was it was beautiful and that would be my next question you you did that whether you were a breacher or not you went into those unknowns you you did it hundreds if not thousands of times what made you go you know what i gotta amp this up a little more it's like that 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 drug's not working enough and you're like well what can i do to bump this up a little bit for me and, and is that the mindset that you had going into it uh, i think like anything you get you know things get you get used to things so you're like how can we i wouldn't say i think you were going to say more, complacent yeah uh i was thinking more mundane very okay. ordinary 
you, so I, I'd say go there, but um, yeah, you want to try to find ways to do it. Like, Hey, let's try this technique or this tactic and see if it works and right. without compromising human, our human, like human lives, of course. But uh, yeah. But I mean, once we, you know, you find a tactic or a technique that works, you know, you stay with it, but I just, I, I don't really, I don't think I ever found like, God, this is really getting boring. This really sucks. The only time it got boring was when there wasn't people shooting back at you or you weren't shooting people. That's when I was like really bored. Like this sucks. This is a boring target. I just walked in four hours for this. This sucks. When's the next one? So that would, that would be the mindset right there. Really? Want more. Always want more, 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 more targets. Yep. Even though you're, I mean, you're, you're putting down targets every single night. And yeah, I've, I mean, heard, you get, I've heard guys you say get, that go, man, we're, I'm so bored right now. And they're like, man, we were just out like four hours ago. Yeah. Let's go again. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you worked. You worked your butt off. I mean, like for me, when I was a child, that's what I dreamed of right? is to be doing this. I mean, I'm living out my dream that I've had for decades. Right. Right. And, and, and that's beautiful. I mean, that was awesome. Well, yeah. And I think. The, the question that I would have um, is up to this point, have you really lost anyone? Have you guys suffered many casualties, anything like that up to this point right now? Uh, for my unit, no, nothing, nothing for a team two, nothing. Okay. So uh, we talked about this before the show and I want to talk to you about the 2008 mission because it, it really stuck out to me in, in doing my research on you. Uh, you were acting team leader, uh, going up to a building, ordered a friend to move into position by your side, uh, and then a Spidey Sense went off uh, and said, you got to get out of here. Yeah, that Spidey Sense is going off right now. Yeah. The Spidey Sense says, you got to get out of here, man. And then it just goes to shit on you. Uh, 50 pounds worth of explosive. Instead of the guys shooting it out, they're just going to destroy the target. Your friend ended up getting killed. Now, mm -hmm. the, the questions that I have to this, and, and I know that it's a sensitive subject, but I, I really want to understand behind this because I don't think that you just had survivor's remorse on it. That was your friend that you directed up into there. So I want to talk about just everything that's going through your mind. First thing that happens, the action on scene as this is unfolding. First of all, you just went through the juggler with this story. <laughs> this, is, this is the one that keeps me up at night sometimes right here. Um, which is totally cool. Cause I love, love talking about that. Well, and, and like I said, you talk about it as much as you're comfortable with, if you want to stray away no, from it, we good. do. Good. Um, it's funny. We're, we're in the process of writing a book right now. And this is one of the chapters. And after like every time we edit it and write it and every time just freaking tears, I mean, just tears, just freaking drop to the freaking my desk. It's, it doesn't stop. It's, it's insane. It's like, I can't, uh, can't tune it out. And at the same time, I don't want to tune it out because I want to remember exactly. Like I want to smell it. I want to feel it. I want to taste it. I want to, and I, and I, and I do, I can remember those events very well. Uh, so, uh, I think most podcasts have this, but I, I, I was acting team leader because my team leader was sick. And then my good buddy, Louie, he was the EOD guy and we needed to clear. We were, we were not primary entry team. Another, our other team was a primary. So we were on backup and to get, take care of all the people that were coming out of the targets, all the women, children, whatever males that came off target. And it was getting pretty bogged down. Like, so we were having our interpreter, like to tell them people to come out uh, because a week before 
uh, we lost two other guys, Mike and Nate, uh, who died and they were used on one of the tar. They died by gunfire, but on another target adjacent that I was on, they, they, the, the dude blew up himself like he had a suicide vest and he was holding his three children were, ne were right next to him. So like I had the beat on him, like through the door, there's this dude with his shirt off and he had his belt on his pants. And I was going to take the shot, but his hands were down on the side and I see these kids come over. So I was like, what? So I was just looking through my night vision and the dude just freaking clacks off and the freaking roof just like lifts off the building and then settles back down and we kind of get blown off the wall we were sitting on. Get people, a couple guys got a little bit of frag, but dude took down his whole freaking all his kids. And a couple, I think couple, they had a couple wives. I think a couple wives got away. But it's like, so that's what we were. That was in our brain. So this is a week after that. So we're we're still. That was our first two dudes. That was my personally my first two dudes, where I can see my 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 boys on the ground. Just you know, not. I mean, they're done. They're done. Um, and so this is this is a week after. So we're we're really paying attention because this is a, a crew that's blowing themselves up. Uh, you know they they don't they don't want to be captured. They're not going to be captured. They're taking themselves and their families out. They don't care. That's that's what the way these guys have been working. So I told them to go on up there to the, to move the uh, the kids off because it was getting jammed by the front door. And there was this like big pylon or, or stanchion or whatever or pole or whatever you want to call it, big cement like pole that's holding up like this awning this concrete awning that's probably, I'd say probably two feet thick. I mean, it, it's a, it's a big thing, probably the size of like a, like two big pool tables put together. It's just one pole holding up this awning over the entryway to the front door. So he's right by this pole. So he goes up to the pole and he uses the pole for cover to hide behind. So no one can take any pop shots out of the front door. So it's getting pretty crazy. He's getting his hands full. And I'm like, well, I need to go up there. I'm going to go up there and help him. Cause like I said, I have Tom's disease. I don't want to miss anything. Like somebody might need to get shot or whatever. <laughs> so I go up there and I get right on his back. I'm like, Hey dude, what do we got? He's like, ah, we're just waiting for these dudes to come out. Like we're getting the kids. And I noticed like that, that the primary assault team, remember I told you we were, we were secondary. The right. primary assault team was stacked up maybe, maybe 10, 15 yards away from us on the other side of the building. And um, I was like, and then another guy came up behind me, a good friend. And I was like, just instantly, it's like, I need to go. I just heard go. Like, get out of here. You need to leave right now. And and the reason why this is so weird is this has never happened to me in my life. And never, even after, has never happened. Um, this is just one time. And so I'm like, I just like. Uh, okay. I, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go back behind the wall because it's getting pretty jammed up here. Are you guys good? And Louie's like, yeah, I got it. I was like, I love you, bro. You know, how you do like the bros. Like, I was like, I love you, bro. And I pat him on his right shoulder and he goes, I love you too. And I just freaking rolled out. And as soon as I walked, maybe, I don't know, 15, 20, 25 yards around the wall. Soon as my body, I mean, as soon as my body wrap this wall and my so my side profiles facing i think i was about to turn with my back to check out because there was buildings on the back side of me um the the house blew up and i got nailed i think i got nailed with a brick because when i turned around there was no debris besides a brick that was just right by my feet on the back side so i turn around i mean this is dust crazy i mean this isn't i mean this isn't you know america i mean it's it's dusty it's sandy uh, so it took a while for the dust to settle and you can just hear screaming of dudes just jacked 
uh, uh, one of my buddies, Benny, had a double femur fracture. And, I mean, if you know anything about femur fractures and you got two of them, the dude was done. Uh, we had our dog down. I mean, we had – I think we lost like six dudes went down and then Louie passed. Uh, so I went up there. And and where I where I left him, it, it just nothing looked like it was. It was like I walked into a different like land. Like I just walked into a junkyard full of rubble. Like the house wasn't even there anymore. Besides, like the back right corner. Uh, so I saw one of my buddies get down on his leg. I'm like, what's going on here? And I could tell like the like the the roof. If this was the roof, kind of like like I'm guessing like like kind of slid over. And crushed him. And I remember we reached in there, tried to grab, and I grabbed his calf, Louis's calf, and all because all I could see is the bottom of his boots. And I grabbed him, and it was like grabbing a jello mold. There was no bone structure. So I'm pretty sure like his whole body was just crushed. I mean, there was just no, I mean, there's no bone. Like, I mean, not even a little bit. It was just, it was, it was very weird. And I tried to pull him out. We couldn't pull him out because the, the the structure of the awning was on him. So we had to get our pararescue, our PJs, to pump it up with this pneumatic uh, lift and get his body out because we weren't going to leave him there, obviously. So that was – but, yeah, that um, – I play that over and over again. If I didn't say, come over the radio, like, hey, Louie, move up. Why don't you move up and see if you can help out. And I mean, he was like, Roger that, going like he – because he's the same way I was. Like, hey, I don't want to miss anything. I'm getting up there and – before I even could say Roger that, I mean, he's hopping over the wall to go to that um, that pole where where, where uh, he was last seen. So it's just freaking, yeah, it's that's a tough one for me, man. That was that's um, that's the one that keeps me up at night right there. Let's talk about decision making skills after this happens. Um, Let's talk about never wanting to make one again. <laughs> that's exactly what I was. That's exactly what I was leading to was. So we, we see this and, and that's what you think is, well, if I would have never made that decision, that would have never happened. That's got to jam you up a little bit, especially as raring to go as you are. How do you deal with the two? You're raring to go, but you're, are you worried about all your decisions now? I mean, I know you said you don't ever want to make one again, but I mean, are you literally worried about every decision then? Uh, no, I, I was kind of kidding on the, about making decisions. Now, I, I mean, I know what it is. I, 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 I know the reality of it. It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that it still doesn't haunt me if I just, right. what if I just say those words? Um, but no, I mean, the next deployment, I came back. I, w- I was, uh, I wouldn't say hesitant, but I was definitely, I would take my pause before I would make an action, an aggressive action on an enemy fighter. I would definitely give it another uh, like a half a second or just to ensure. Um, so it, I wouldn't say it slowed me down, but I just I think I got smarter. OK, uh, I, because that deployment too, I I believe the a dude I was shooting, I shot a grenade or some kind of explosive device or because he was in a he was in a car uh, that we were shooting up and he was trying to get out and he was pulled his AK up. And I shot something on his chest and I, it might've been a grenade and something kind of blew up and frag nailed me in the face. So there's a couple things on the deployment that kind of led me to like, all right, so Eddie, you're not invincible. Um, like maybe just like kind of take a wrap off, but I really never did take a wrap off. <laughs> Cause it's like, you gotta go, you gotta go, you gotta fight, you gotta fight, you gotta fight. Uh, but, and then it goes back to, I, Hey, I was, I was okay. If 
if if my time was done. Like I was I was all right with that. I was I was cool with a warrior's death. I was cool dying overseas. I was happy with my life to that point because I felt like my life, all that mattered was getting to that point and going to this fight to fight the bad guys. So I was I was okay with that. I mean, I really was. I, I really was okay to die. Like I'm not afraid to die. I mean, now that I have my my freaking amazing family and my mind's clear, I don't want to die, but I do not fear death one bit. I don't fear it. I really don't. And I'm not saying that to, oh, look at me. I'm a macho man. I'm not right. saying that at all because I'm as human as the next guy, but I, I, I don't fear death. I don't fear death. I, I don't fear it. But I think that goes, I think that goes a lot to not only, you know, you say, I don't say that to be a big tough guy, but I think that goes back to your faith a little bit too, don't you? hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a reason for it. Uh, there's a reason why you're so involved in the faith. Now, you say that the spidey senses never happened again. Not like that. I've had, you know, well, gut instincts. Like, Whoa, this is I, I want to pose a question to you about that. Go for it. Because I thought about it. Now, we're going to jump ahead, but I'm going to come back, okay? Spidey sense, whenever that time told you you got nothing else to lose, why don't you go over to this church? Same voice? That was more my fiance was going to leave me versus anything. So she's like, here's your, here's what you got to do. So, uh, no, it, it, it wasn't the same voice. No, but it was, man, if it, it is like someone shook me and just like, kind of like, like put me in a trance and said, get out. Like you're going like, that's it. I, I, I can't, I can't even explain it with my words. I can't, I can't do it. I mean, I've had spidey since I got very good gut instincts. Like, hey, probably shouldn't start like getting in this bar fight because this dude's with like 20 dudes. Like, let's just right. get out of here. Let's go to fight another day. Like, I, I got the gut instincts and still like, um, but not not like that. Never again. Never, never once have I had that. Okay. So as this happens, this this scenario happens, you come back, but you, you lose several more friends. They're killed. Um, do you see yourself... And I don't know if you could at the, at that point, do you see yourself headed into an abyss? Describe abyss. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. You yeah. talk a lot yeah. about that. You became just obsessed with killing as many as you could for your friends, uh, being consumed with the fight. Do you consciously see yourself headed into that? No, not anymore. During deployments. Absolutely. And, I mean, when you lose your buddies, I wouldn't say, oh, okay, this is a double-edged sword right here. I wouldn't say I take it personally. I do take it personally, but we knew what we were walking in. We Every man knew You're when right. they came to the community what they were signing up for. Every man knew when they went to development group what that meant. That meant that you're guaranteed going to go see the fight. That I mean, that's pretty much what that means. And that's what guys, they want that. They really do. Um, but at the same time, yeah, it, I, yeah, yeah, you, you want it. But I guess the, the main thing that really threw me off, that really, that really threw me off, that really kind of calloused me, that really put the icing on the cake for me. I mean, because losing friends sucks. Right. Was, I, I'm sure you heard, I, I talked about, um, I, I shot a guy that was reaching for an AK and about to swing it on me and I dropped him and I just had a bad feeling about it. Like, and I've never had a bad feeling about it. Just like I really never had a bad sense about leaving when uh, Louie right there on that, on that pole. 
Uh, and I felt bad. And I mean, like, I thought about it the whole Hilo ride. It was probably like a 45-minute hour Hilo ride home. Um, and then I, I talked to the Intel guy, and I was like, if you find anything on this dude or from the Target, please let me know. And like two hours later, he came over. He's like, hey, let me show you something. And he put this on the computer screen, something that we found. And it was the dude that I shot, and he had these KBR guys, uh, Kendall Brown and Root, the guys that kind of do all the logistical stuff, like semi-truck drivers moving food and supplies from Ford operating base to main base or whatever it is to uh, outstations. Um, and this dude was running ballistics tests on all these Asian dudes state on the side of a highway that they kidnapped from these semis. So he was shooting some in the leg, stabbing some in the side, shooting some in the head. And like when I saw that, cause, cause I felt like bad for, for shooting this guy. After that, after I saw that, I was like, never again. Like these guys are freaking savages. They're animals. They don't deserve to be here. And I'm put in this position for a reason. And if they're doing something bad or they're armed overseas, like there's, there's no quarter. You're done. Like that's all there was to it because I, I, I felt, I, I don't know why I felt bad. I don't, I can't tell you why. Well, and that's what uh, I was going to ask you. What, what was the, what was it about I, this I, guy? I don't know if it was a guy's face. I, man, I don't, I don't know. Cause I see a lot of the faces, but it's some about his face. I can still picture his face. Um, I, I don't know. I just felt, I just felt, I don't know. I it, it wasn't sitting well with me. Uh, and it wasn't like an unjust killing or anything. Like the guy was armed, like about to swing his AK on me, but uh, it just didn't sit well with me. I, I don't know. But once I saw that, it, it, it just calloused me over and I, I went to a different realm uh, when it came to, to taking it to those guys. Like there was no holds bar. Like it was freaking on, like it was just aggressive. I was more aggressive from that. And it just, it built me up, built me up. And, and that's where you kind of get to the freaking Tasmanian devil. Still not, I wasn't still neglecting. I put my life like done doing dumb stuff right. or doing it to people, but, but mentally inside, you know, if you could have jumped in Eddie's brain, you would have been like, Holy shit, this dude's nuts. I mean, you, that's. And, and so I guess that's what I kind of mean by the abyss. Do you see yourself just going into this, just this state anymore where there's, there's almost no emotion to it anymore. That's that's a hundred percent right. And at the time, I, I, it, I, I would just, I was a warrior. I was a fighter. I was a, I was a killer. I was supposed to go kill the bad guys, capture or kill them. That was my job. That is what I was supposed to do. That's that became my identity. I wasn't really Eddie anymore. I was Golf Bravo three or whatever my call sign was for that deployment. That's who I became, and I and I ate it up. I loved it. And I didn't see anything wrong with it. I, I didn't say at that time, I was like, this is who I am. This is what I want to do. And like I said, it kind of went with, if I, if I go down, if I get shot, I don't care. This, this is fine. I'm, I'm okay with this. I'm, I'm cool with this. Uh, but I mean, now, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think that that leads us right into the next topic that I, that I wanted to talk to you about. You said, and these are your words, that became your identity. You're no longer Eddie. Okay, that shit works over there. It does not work with the family. No, it does not. And yeah, 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 two divorces will be my, um, yeah, that doesn't. 
it doesn't work with the family. And it's it's not like you don't try to come back and do the right thing. You just I, I'm and I, I got to be completely honest with you. I'd say probably the last two to three years, I've like figured myself out, kind of calmed down, kind of put my past life in the military away and kind of focused on God and my family. Um, and that, I mean, that's, that's new to me. I mean, it really is the only, probably the last two to three years. It is really new to me. I mean, and I could see it's so with the further I got away from deploying and going out every night and getting the bad guys. Um, the further I get away from that, the more I become grounded. And, and I say that and I don't mean, you know, nothing bad about the military or anything, but just, Dude, it takes you out. It takes it out of you. And any, and I mean, <clears throat> and and the guys that are still in, you know, they they could hear hear this and be like, Eddie, what the hell are you talking about? And and if I was them, I would say the exact same thing. You, you just you know you don't know until you're you're out of it till you pull away and you realize some things and you have a lot of time to think and you make a shit ton of mistakes, which I did. Um, and you abuse people emotionally and not really give a crap because you don't. I mean, and to be and. And I, I didn't even know what the hell I was doing. I mean, I just like, we'll do it this way. I'm so regimented, so military, this and that, especially because, you know, in that, in that lifestyle, you don't got time to discuss things. You, you don't have time. Like it's, it's like, it just, just get it done. Just get it done. Like, why are we talking about this right now? You know what I mean? You don't but realize I, I think that flows things. over into the family where you tell your family, just get it done. This is what needs to be. And that, yeah. that switch never goes back and forth where you're like, wait a minute, yeah, wait a minute, yeah. wait a minute. I can't now. tell them that. <laughs> it does now. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's 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 crazy to look back um, at myself back then, uh, especially when I retired. Because I, I left development group like in 2013, I believe, 12, 13, right up soon after extortion. And then I went to a training unit for three years. So I had a little bit to calm down. But I, I mean... I was checked out, like checked out still. I w- all I wanted to do is go back overseas, uh, but I heard everything's getting crazy political, so that's good. I don't want to be a part of that anyways. Um, so, yeah, I was checked out. Like I, I just wasn't wasn't there. I didn't know what emotions were. I, I didn't know how to have a healthy relationship. I, re- I really did not know how to. I'm not saying – feel sorry for me. That's, that's bull crap. I just, man, I was ignorant to the fact. And, you know, now I do with my fiance now, like I, I get it. I, I get it. I get it. I, I know my failures and that shit ain't happened again. I'll tell you that right now. So let's talk about that then, because the family, when you come back, um, you're uh, supposed to deploy out again, two weeks before you go, you become a single father of three kids. Now, so that happens. We- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would love to hear that when you're telling your command. Here's the oh, thing. Boy. So they just they smiled. They just what? had the big I might like, quit smiling. Stop because it. they know. They yeah. that is something that shows you they know. Yeah. So we can talk about as much or as little as you want to, but this shit does not happen overnight. You don't become Buddy. a single father overnight. I'll tell you this, man, when I, when I got my children and I want to say this before I even start into this is those damn kids saved my life. hundred percent, hundred percent. Those kids saved my life. hundred percent. 
Um, but I got the it was those initial two initial two years that I was by myself with those children was the hardest two years of my life. I just didn't know what to do. Uh, I mean, the kids were kids. They they weren't bad kids. They were just kids. I just didn't know how to deal with it. I mean, talk about anger issues and just zero patience. Uh, it was, I was a freaking ticking time bomb. Uh, and sometimes, you know, they heard it from my mouth and, and I'm, and, and I mean, it's, it's a reality. I, you know, I said things, you know, just being a jackass, being a jackass father. And I mean, I learned now, um, yeah, it was tough. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what I was doing. I had no clue. I had no clue. I, and, and I didn't know my kids cause I was always gone on the road training, uh, or overseas. Um, but ah, shit, that that's changed now. These, these dudes are, they got me, man. They, how, they got me. How old are these kids at this point? I got, uh, my oldest is 21. She, I'm no, a no, no, no. I, I'm talking about oh, when this happens. Uh, she, my oldest Kayla, I believe was nine or 10. Samantha, my middle one, my daughter, a youngest daughter. She was five i believe and then tristan my son was 10 months wow. so i was like, yeah i was like diaper be like i remember going to like dick sporting good pushing uh a stroller with two girls with like crooked ponytails like or pigtails or whatever like because i sucked at doing their hair i tried um so yeah until like well I'm, I'm just thinking more 10 months to 10 years yeah like that's a huge gap and that's a lot of shit to pick up on. I Dude. mean, I get it if you got to learn how to take care of a baby or you got to learn how to take care of a toddler, but you had to learn how to take care of a toddler, a baby, and yeah. headed towards their teens. It's it's so it's so funny. I was doing that for like probably a year or so, and I would hear my like my friends uh, still at the command. They're like, ah, I got to watch the kids for a couple hours. Like this, this is. I'm like, I, I want to be like, dude, you shut your mouth. It's a couple hours. <laughs> Shut up. Enjoy the damn kids. Get on the floor. Play with them. Uh, so it's like, I mean, because there was no ending for me. Like, it was just, it was, that was my my life. Uh, thank, thankfully. I mean, honestly, thankfully. Uh, but it, it was It was so hard. And my, and my kids know this, that I've tell them. I've been, I've been very honest with them. I was like, guys, it was, it was hard for me. Because they always ask, like, how, you know, how would you get us? You know, all, they ask all the questions, especially now that they're older. Um. And yeah, and I'm, I'm very honest. I'm like, man, I, dad did not know what the heck he was doing. He had no clue what he was doing. I was lost. I was a moron. I was a child. It was like a child trying to take care of other three other kids. I mean, I believe my oldest, Kayla, she was probably more mature than I was. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I didn't know what to do with them. Like, all right, I got these kids. Like, what do you do? It's like, I mean, it's, it sounds so stupid, but it's like, what, what do you do with these kids? Cause they are from 10 to 10 months. Like, where can I go uh, on my military salary to take care of these kids? You know? And <clears throat> then like, Oh, let's go to the park. Then I'm like, fuck, I got to pack all this shit. How many, how many, I need diapers. I need this. By the time I got that two hours passed by, it's like time to eat dinner. Now it's like, it was ridiculous, man. I was, I was a mess. I was a mess. But I mean, now God, dude, I, I'm freaking a whiz with kids. <laughs> Is the and and like I told you in the beginning, if you don't want to talk about, it, is the mother around at all? Yeah, she. So the kids will go see her in the summer. Um, that that time is like sh the 
so it, the summer of extortion, the kids were out there the whole summer. Right. Since then, time has shrunk down because they don't want to. They they go up to see my mom uh, and my dad uh, up in Ohio now. So they don't. They only go see her for a few weeks now, or before it was a couple months. But you know, usually they're you know they're. Mm-mm. I mean, not not that often. Try not to throw people under the bus. No, 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 no. And, and, and yeah, no, no, no. And I understand the, the reason I ask about it is because it's such a crazy story because you usually hear it the opposite direction, right? They don't want anything to do with you because you're the madman going back and forth and all over the place. And, and to hear that it's a strange thing, but to, to tack onto that, you still stayed a seal. You were still deployed. And that's what I wanted to talk to you about was this last, when you say the last summer, when mm-hmm. uh, extortion happened, uh, that's going to be the deployment, right? That you go, your kids are with their mom for the summer. You've been with them for what two years now? Yeah, year and a half. To about two years, year and a half, two years. Yeah. Yeah. So you're you're really kind of getting into this father role. You you can we say softened your edges a little bit? You can definitely say that. Okay, so you softened your edges. You're, you're looking at life a little different. Um, you're, you're starting to compartmentalize all those things that happened before that we talked about. You're kind of figuring out how to deal with it. You go over there, worst disaster in special operations history. 38 killed aboard. Uh, 15 of your fellow SEALs from your squad were killed. You watch it all on a video cam or a, a video feed, a live video feed that's coming in. So here's where I go with this. You saw that happen with your friend and you 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 thought about it for a while. Then you see this happen and you've softened your edges and you're a different person. Does it come all right back in like a flood or what do we do? Um I don't I think that deployment I went back I was so excited cuz I was off the train for so long. So I definitely was excited to go on that deployment and get back with my boys and go do the job that I love and the job that I've been training for forever and always wanted to be since I was a, since I was a little kid, excuse me. Um, but I did take things a little bit slower. Like I, like I mentioned, um, you know, when, when I was engaging in, you know, the, with the enemy, but yeah, I, I didn't really think about like, okay, we just, we lost these guys, this deployment, and then we lost Adam Brown and another one. And then we lost, now we're, now we're dealing with this. It's just like, I, I don't even know how to describe it. I, I, how do you describe it? How do you, where do you find the words? I don't even know. It, it, it sucks. It, but, but, but I, I, I gotta say this and I would expect the same person saying about me if I was gone it's the nature of the beast as sad as it is it's the nature of the beast that's that's war that's that's what we signed to do that's what we trained right. that's what they loved to do right they freaking loved it all of them um and they were good at it every every one of them were freaking badasses uh but yeah it, it was like yeah it felt you, you felt a little beat up you felt a little beat up for sure do you ever look at it and go when the fuck does all this end like shit <laughs> yeah i guess when your last breath leaves your body I, yeah, yeah I, I i don't know i think i mean i knew i knew that that was going to be my last deployment because of the kid situation i right. knew that the timing 
and me getting out of the military and knowing I had to leave because I had three children. I couldn't stay in the squadron. Uh, I knew that was going to be my last one. And uh, it was it was a crappy way to go. It would be crappy no matter what. Absolutely. But it, it, like, it, 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 was, um, it was hard. That flight home uh, laying next to Jason Workman's coffin the whole freaking time because I wouldn't leave it. You know, for a week. It was, yeah, I was I was with him for three weeks actually, but yeah, I was for every for everything. Yeah, whenever his body was, I had to be with him. I was right next to him. I wouldn't leave him. Yeah, but that was. Uh, I guess I that was a week like, back in the states, right? As you were traveling yeah, so, to his final. Yeah, so we did. Uh, we came back with all the bodies into Dover. We had two plane fulls because there was that many caskets. Uh, two C seventeens landed Dover, and the. Uh, they had to do the autopsies or try to get body parts with the right bodies and identify bodies and do whatever the arrangements they need to, to go to wherever they had to go to. So we had one night. So we flew back down to Virginia beach, uh, stayed there one night or sorry, I think I had like two nights came back up. Then we did the angel flight from Dover and I went over to Blanding, Utah with Jason and I uh, was with him there for two weeks in Blanding, I believe waiting for all the other memorial services to get done for the other guys before they got to Jason. And then from there, we had to take his body to Arlington uh, National Cemetery. So I went with him to Arlington. And then when he was put in the ground there, that's when I was done. And, so what, and that's done and I was, dude, I was, I was done. And that's what I was getting ready to ask you. Where are we at now? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm about freaking a lot of bottles in. That's where I am right now. A lot of drinking, a lot of freaking suppressing, a lot of pill popping, a lot of freaking don't want to feel, don't want to, I don't want to feel, I don't want to feel, I don't want to feel, I want, I want booze and freaking loud music. How bad did it get? Uh, at that time, I was still, I was still a, a warrior mindset. I mean, I always have a warrior mindset, but there's a difference between a warrior mindset that's continuously fighting and there's blood, sweat, and tears. I separate the two, right? So there's there's that warrior, and then there's the warrior of no matter what I have to deal with daily, I'm going to take that on. So I was on the first warrior. So I didn't think I was like more of like you know, you know, drunk as heck. We're giving toasts, cheers, and telling stories, which was awesome, which is beautiful, which is what they would want, hands down. Um, but yeah, but but after, I mean, it was a lot a lot of freaking drinking, dude. But after the years after, it got worse for sure. I just didn't know what to do. I was just lost. I was just, I was a lost puppy. I mean, I was a lost for, you see the dog, you know, in the rain, not knowing where their owners were. That was, that was me, man. That was, that was, that was and this is not to feel sorry for me because I don't need anyone to, for that. But I would, dude, I was so lost. I was just a lost individual. Okay. So why? I mean, I, and don't, don't take that as a basic, I'm not asking that as a basic question, but I'm saying like, why at this point, what is it that, that was the straw that broke the camel's back? What was it that made you feel lost? Cause you, you weren't in dev group, but you were still training, right? You hadn't retired yet. Right. right. So you still had the Navy and everything, but you totally different. Entities, dev group, and the absolutely, absolutely, I I agree with you. My point of that is, is that you see that mostly when people get out, when they retire from law enforcement, when they retire from the military, they lose a sense of purpose. But from everything you're saying, you lost a sense of purpose before you ever even got out. 
my purpose wasn't to be in the Navy to help get kids to buds, which I do, which I, I'm glad I did. I met a lot of awesome people and I felt like I was contributing back to the community, like trying to get the right guys to, you know, fill those spaces. But that wasn't, that's not what I came into the Navy for. I came in the Navy to go overseas and get bad guys. That, that's what I came in for. That was my passion. I mean, you, you go to that, anything else is just blah. You know what I mean? It, it's just, it, it's just blah. It's like being a Super Bowl quarterback, throwing 10 touchdown passes and the next year, you're a freaking backup punter. You wouldn't have a good, you wouldn't have a good football season. You wouldn't be happy. You'd be sitting on the bench like, what the hell am I doing here? Minus getting the money I'm getting paid for for just sitting here. <laughs> right? So uh, I just. And I don't know, think I, you were getting paid that kind of money. So. Oh, man. I wish I was. I wish I was. Uh, I mean, it was. It, and this is very common. I talk to guys that are getting out um, all the time is if you. And, and this is this goes to your, your line of work as well. You know, you, you picture you got a train just going on a track and it's it's moving very fast. And there's there's these train stops and each time it stops, someone gets off and the train keeps going with the mission. And when I had to get off on my stop, which is when I got my kids, um, the train went and you can imagine the train leaving the station and you're seeing the other side of the train station and there's no one there and it's just quiet. And there's a little bit of wind and the, and the sound just goes in the distance and it's a very lost feeling. And then you throw on top of that alcohol, getting custody of three children it's almost overwhelming because you don't know what you're doing. You're not really mad at the kids. You're mad at yourself because you have no clue what you're doing. You have to develop a relationship. And then you, you've got an ex-wife you're constantly battling with, and then you're starting a new relationship and you really shouldn't be starting a new relationship because you have no freaking clue what you're doing because you're so jacked up. Uh, and it just starts, it just starts piling up. And I, I really can't pinpoint one thing, but you take this and then this, and then this, and then we get the volcano eruption, and and that's what happened. It's just all this stuff, and it came, yeah, it, it just got worse and worse, and the only thing that freaking turned it around was when I found my faith. That's the only thing that stopped it, and it, it didn't stop it. Like, well, I, I'm better. No, it was still a process. <laughs> right. It was a process, um, but yeah. So it got there for a while. You said that it was a fiance that, that, that was that voice in your ear to say, you need to go to church. You need to do this. You need to do that. Yeah. But after, yeah. Cause that, that started, we went to um, a work party for her and I got hammered, like stupid hammered. Like I had one of her coworkers sitting on my lap, like just, just stupid stuff, embarrassing stuff. Uh, and she's like, you have a choice to go or I'm leaving. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll go. So, I mean, it's not going to hurt, whatever. And it was more like, sure, whatever, I'll go. I mean, just freaking, I was a jackass, man. I was a jackass. Uh, but I went, and it was the best thing that I ever did in my life. What do you think about it that that changed you? What was it that you saw there that you had, I mean, you had seen some stuff in your life. <laughs> we can agree on that. You've seen some stuff in your life. So what was it about going to church or this church in particular or whatever that really made you go, maybe not I've been doing this the wrong way, but there's a better way. 
Uh, you know, it really comes down to one thing. I mean, the people were great the way they delivered the message because it wasn't churchy because if it was churchy, I would have been gone. So, um, like they used movies like Braveheart and other warrior movies. And they talked about like, they would show a scene and then they talked about how it like move over to the Bible or talk about like us as men, how we have certain things, how we desire about things, how we're here, how we're how the, how love kind of plays into this. And, and, and really I can, and in this, so this, this goes for anyone and everyone and myself included is, is you don't need to go somewhere. You just got to open your freaking heart and like accept it and like seek it and just like let it in. And, and I, and I, and I, and I had no clue what I was doing. I was like, all right, I'll see if, I'll see if God is real. Like, I'll see if this is, if this is real. Uh, cause I was the guy before that'd be like, yeah, I'm not going to church. That's crazy. I was the guy that would never go into church because I had visions or dreams when I was a kid that Jesus was going to bust in and take me away from my family. I was, I was scared shitless of churches. I went to spend the night at my freaking friend's house when I was a kid and I didn't realize his dad was a pastor and there was a picture of Jesus and I called my mom to pick me up right away. Wait, That's wait, how a minute, I, wait, wait a minute. Dude, I hated I, I'll say I hated Jesus. I hated God. I was scared shitless of him. Well, I, I couldn't. I was scared. Okay, I, I don't. I don't understand where that came. Rewind. From. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, <laughs> I don't. Where did that come from? Uh, it came from when I was when I was a kid. My parents went through a divorce. To keep it sh- uh, short, um, I woke up and I saw Jesus in my room. And I, and, and I was awake. I wasn't dreaming. He was transparent. I could see my bookshelf on the backside of him. And he was just standing there and you could see his hair and, you know, like depicted in the pictures that we see on uh, a white flowing robe. And he was very bright and he was very beautiful. And I was like, oh, and I like couldn't say anything. And then it went dark. Like he went away and it went dark. And as soon as it went dark, I can make chills as I speak. I, went, I was so terrified. As soon as that dark hit and he went away, I was so scared. And for years, I thought it was him. I thought it was him for until I was 32 years old. I mean, uh, until I found my faith, uh, I thought it was him. So I, so from then, I would never go to a church unless it was like to a wedding or something. And even then, I'm like looking around like freaking I should not be here. Like I just I did not like it. I was scared of him. I was scared. I, I, I was scared. Like I was so scared enough to where. I told my mom to would to come pick me up. I don't want to be there because of that picture. I was so scared. So this is that was a big thing for me. <laughs> okay. So we move into your redemption. Let's move into the third phase of this. Every every good story has a redemption, right? Every good movie, every good <laughs> has a redemption story. So you go through this. We talk about going to the church. You start believing this stuff. You 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 become a different person. Now you say, uh, "God is your rock." That's one of your main things that you say. God is your rock. Your family is your home. Striving to be a better me. You're a parent in training, and we'll get to this one in a minute. But aspiring chef, don't let me forget because we're going to get to that one in a minute. Let's go back to this. When you say you were scared forever. We talked about Bill earlier. Now, Bill told me when I talked to him that he would talk to people about his faith, 
openly. Uh, he was never afraid to talk about his faith openly. And I see someone like you, how do you deal with him? Do you ever have any questions? Do you stay away from it? What, what is it? Back then? Yeah. Yeah. I would just leave the conversation. I'd walk away. I wouldn't want to hear about it. And so when you look back on it now, I, I, I don't think uh, regret or anything. Do you look back on it now and think it was crazy? What, what is it about? Because when I hear you say that no, you were I'll, scared, I'll I've never was. heard someone say that. And that's the honest truth. I've never heard anyone say they were scared of yeah, I was, religion. I was, I was terrified of, I was terrified of, uh, no, uh, the, the devil was very good at deceiving me for a very, very long time. Very long time. I was deceived. Deceived, deceived, deceived. If you know anything about spiritual warfare, good and evil, good and evil, all that stuff. I mean, I was a deceived man about that whole thing, and he did it very well for a long time, but not anymore. Not anymore. I, I can see see what it is. Uh, and I've had many things happen, uh, and people can be like, oh, that's just a coincidence. Well, there's no such thing as coincidences. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's – yeah, I, no, I, I – if I was you listening to me, I'd be like, who is this dude? <laughs> well, I, it just, it's, it, it's, it's a different story than I've ever, I've never, I've heard people say, I didn't want to have any part of it. I don't believe in that. There'll be people that say that's, uh, you know, there's a hundred different stories in, in all of them that I've ever heard though. I've never heard someone say I was scared of it. I was terrified. I was telling, um, uh, my friend Keith Wood, that's that's we're doing the book together. I was telling him as like I'd be sitting on the couch watching TV with my mom, and I would I would just have these like I would you know you can like play out a situation or a scenario. I would just have this one that he would bust. Jesus would bust in the door because he can do anything. Bust in the door, take me and take me away from my mom, and I would never see her again. That happened all the time. What, I, where was he going to take you? Hell, if I know, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't get that far. I'd like get up like, okay, I'm never going to church. You know, I would just snap up like, all right, yeah, that's ridiculous. Did you ever I tell your mom me. about this? Uh, I think I might've met, I, I might've, I mentioned it to her. Uh, I told her she knows about the dream. Um, she'll, she'll know about it in the book. I know that <laughs> I don't, I don't really talk about, I mean, I really don't talk about that piece. I think it was, cause it was so long ago as a child and I like to think of the good stuff, but but at the same time, man, like that, that's just the truth. That's like a, why I was, why I was away from it. I just didn't want anything to do with it. I was, I was scared. I was, I was terrified. I mean, my second marriage when I was engaged, um, after when I got the custody of the kids, uh, I would be out there on Sundays cause we were going a long distance relationship. It was when I was still in the Virginia beach and she was in Oklahoma. Every Sunday she would go to church. Like, you want to go to church? Like, no, I'm okay. I'm just drop me off and I'm going to watch the football games. And I did that for months. I wouldn't go. And it's not that I didn't want to be with her or not. I just didn't want, I was, did I just like, to be honest, I was still a little scared. Do you know, I, so this, from that dream, from that, that, or that vision I had of him in my room, I slept under the covers with a nightlight until I was a sophomore in high school. Wow. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know. Well, what, that's honesty. I'm going to be getting so many messages on this one. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I don't know what that, I, I, you know, I, 
I know what you're saying, but I feel so dumb about mine now. When I was a kid and, and Nightmare on Elm Street came out, that was uh, a bad one. I, I watched it and my brother and I were in the same room and I didn't want to wake him up because I thought he was going to turn over and be Freddy Krueger. But that was about the extent to, you You know what I'm saying? So I can't, Jesus, yeah. well, I, I just can't imagine to the extent that it took you. I mean, all the way till a sophomore, that's a long time. A long time. And so it makes your story even more fascinating to me that now this is kind of your bedrock, something that yeah. you ran from forever. This is now your bedrock. A long time. Yeah. 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 When I first, uh, well, when God and I first met, I, dude, I was in tears for at least three hours straight. I was like, holy crap. Every time I talk, like, I'll get choked, probably get choked out. Every time I talk about him, it's just, um, hmm. it's amazing. So I guess, I guess I'm asking you what, what was it? What was the thing that changed you? Uh, I, I, it started off like when I, when I was doing that little, uh, spiritual boot camp. it's called wild at heart. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's actually like mm -hmm. John Eldridge. She's like, okay. So it was, it was one of those that a true more true North ministries out of Oklahoma city. They did it in Oklahoma. So I went to that one. So it was, everything was via like, um, they would play it on videos, like all those classes or speeches would be on, you know, the, the, the TV screen or the big old theater screen. They do it like that. Kind of like it. Uh, I'll say rush Creek. I, I, you know what I'm talking about. They do stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. Like that. So you do like a class, like, all right, the first one's like, we're going to talk about father wounds. I'm like, what the hell is a father wound? Okay. And then you go out and you pray and you write your thoughts down. I never wrote down my thoughts in my life. And I was just like, Hey man, I'm here. I clearly have some issues because I'm looking around for alcohol and there's not nothing there and this sucks. Um, so I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to do what they say. I'm going to, I'm going to put my all into it and I'm going to just open my heart. And if it's to be, it's to be. And if it's not, then we're, we're going to carry on and fuck, I don't know what we're going to do. Uh, but I, I did, I, I prayed and just weird things started happening. And then I saw people getting prayed for us. Like I want someone to pray for me. I didn't say that to anyone. I was just thinking in my head. And then the last night this guy comes up to me and prays for me. And I, I'm like, I'm in tears. I'm like, why am I crying? And um, the next day, the worship music, because they start each day with worship music. Um, they, they start playing. It's like the music is like radiating through my freaking body. Like I'm trying to sing the words. I don't know the words. I'm trying to like this. is It's just like amping me up. Like I'm, I'm just getting filled. And, um, and I'm like, did I find him? Like, did I find him? Did I find him? Like what's going on? I'm like, surely, surely this is just one of those things. And at the end of the, this thing, they give out like a couple awards or like, you know, Hey, appreciation to this guy for helping or donating or whatever. And they had, uh, they had one, uh, the, 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 I guess the guy or the man that, um, they could see the most change in. And I was like, clearly that's not me. Cause I haven't freaking changed to think I haven't done anything. And they called my name and I was like, what? So I go up there and, um, they give me a gift and it's actually this pen that I don't go anywhere with. It's this pen Maybe you can see it, but it's made of olive wood from Jerusalem and it's got a cross on there. Wow. And they gave me that pen. Uh, that's, that's my pen. And, uh, I was like, Oh, excuse me. I was fighting so hard on that stage 
with probably a hundred men looking at me trying to fight off my tears. And I just like, I'm sure they were coming down. I'm sure they could tell, but I just, I like started to lose it. And I just like, Oh my God, like, um, and, and I've gotten gifts and all that stuff before, but man, that, that just meant so much to me. And, um, I got back in my car to drive back to Tulsa where I was living. So I had about, uh, I had like an hour drive up to Oklahoma yeah. city to get my truck cause we carpooled down and then another hour, hour and a half drive to Tulsa. And I called my fiance at the time to try to tell her about it. And every time I, I started talking, I'd go in tears. I had to hang up the phone and I spent my whole time just crying in my car. And then I, you know, got back, told her all about it and all that stuff. And I mean, it was just, I felt so good. I felt, Maybe you've probably maybe you've heard of it like the spiritual high. I was so I was like so high, like oh my god, this is it. This is so right. He's real. This is so real. And like probably three days after, of course, me freaking being a hard headed piece of crap that I am, I was like, okay, if you really like, of course, here I am testing God, right? Like, good job, Eddie. That's a good one. Uh, I'm like, show me, show me, give me, give me a sign. Give me, give me. I'm literally saying this in my car. I'm by myself driving back from a workout. I'm like, give me a sign. Give me a sign that you're real. And tell me I'm saved. I'm like, I've done, because I'm like, I've killed people. I've done this. I've done that. You know, I've still got issues with this. Um, and sure enough, on this car wash, you know, those red digital signs where you can like mm-hmm. type in what you want and then yeah. flash, whatever. One word popped up. One word. All caps. And it just said saved. S-A-V-E-D. One word. I was at a stoplight. And I look over and just said Saved. Not savings. You can save. It said saved. I was like, and done. Checked out. Okay, you win. Uh, let's carry on this. And I, I started crying again. And um, and so many things have happened since then. Um, to not that I need more proof or anything, but but I mean, he's just been. He's blessed my life. Um. It's kept me alive. And uh, it's it's good. It's uh, and it's so funny. I say these words. And me, 10 years ago, if I was, I'd be like, this guy's nut job. This guy's a freaking nut job. But I was the dude calling other dudes nut job like you're an idiot. It's not It's not what you think it is. How can, how can you even say that? And I was so wrong. I was so wrong. And uh, I, I'm a believer in Christ. He is my, my savior for sure. And he, he proves it time and time again. And it doesn't mean I don't get challenges or I don't have obstacles. And I love obstacles. Bring them. Uh, I just know I'm going to win them with him and with my family. I'll destroy them all. It doesn't matter what comes at me. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, the, 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 the best part of that story that you just said was when they gave you the pin and you're standing in front of 100 men. Now, of those 100 men, you have probably in that group had seen – the most in life you would agree right i i think we can say probably, that. Yeah. Probably, yeah uh and you were more, <laughs> what's that the most bad things okay but that's my point at that point though you were the most vulnerable to people you had nothing to explain to nothing you owed those people nothing you're mm-hmm. at your most vulnerable it speaks volumes to how much you had changed I'll tell you this right now. You just said the word, the V word, vulnerable. And I've never allowed myself to do that. And I do it all the time now. And it's not that I try to. It's just like we're human. It's who we are. And it's okay to be vulnerable. It's 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 okay. It's like 
it's it's actually a good thing. But but Mike, you know, you, you don't have time to be vulnerable uh, in that career field, or else you know your life could get lost or your buddy next to you. Uh, so it was a new thing for me, like crying. That was a new thing. Right. Showing my and emotion, feeling yeah. emotion. Like what's sad? Like what? What is that? No, I won't. I won't feel that. I'll do this instead. I I, I just imagine you being like when you first start crying. Like what are these things what coming out this? of my eyes? Cut me. Yeah. <laughs> you know that that's all I can see. That Jerry Seinfeld where he's like, what, what is this? <laughs> what a great show. Yeah. So let's talk about the most important thing. We've talked about redemption. We've talked about everything. This is where you're at. This is where you're going in life. And this is where you turn things around for not only yourself, but everyone that wants to listen to you. And believe me, you've got a fan base going. Let's talk unafraid. Let's talk memberships into the den. And finally, we'll talk about contingent group just as a side note. So unafraid's uh, definitely a new thing that... um started probably a couple years but very slow and it really started i was listening to a song by skillet called lions and it said we are not afraid and i'm like i love that word that word that word and all i would see are unafraid like why would we be unafraid and just my brain goes crazy and then usually when i work out which i do a lot because it's my therapy it keeps me you know on the on an even playing field um and just my brain went crazy. I was like, all right, what do we need to do? I was like, oh, cool. Let's make some t-shirt. Okay, well, let's make this stand for something. What does this mean to me? And then it's like that unafraid mindset. And it really just kind of comes as like so many people are afraid to go to, – they're afraid to fail. Or they're, go, they're afraid to go try new things. They're afraid to go do this. They're afraid to go talk to this person. They're going to, to apply to a job or ask for this just afraid to do certain things when we shouldn't be afraid or be vulnerable. Right. Or be, you just go do it, go do it and just take one step at a time and just worry about that first step and make things happen. And, um, and that's where that's kind of like the community in the den that we're trying to start. So that's where, you know, you, you, you uh, pay for your membership and I put all my workouts on there. Cause I think fitness is so huge. Um, for a good mindset. So fitness is on there recipes. Cause I love food. Um, I need to get, be a better cook for my family. Cause uh, my fiance doesn't like to cook. She's a great cook, but she just doesn't like to do it. So I'm like, all right, time to step in. And, um, and just like your, uh, mo- motivational stuff, like motivational quotes, motivational books, uh, faith-based stuff, music, faith-based music stuff for workout music, uh, you, you name it. Um, it's, it's just on there. A guns pointing yeah, thing. Actually, if you want me to, I'll go down the list. You got accountability, which is the, oh, probably the biggest thing. Accountability. Faith is most important accountability of just being accountable to even just yourself being accountable. Uh, exactly. I think that I that's accountability all the time. That's why like I have my little bracelet reminds me all the time. You're unafraid. You got your mindset. Like I have to, I put things I wear things, I put things in a certain place, I put certain stickers on certain things to remind me when I go do stuff, this is your mindset. You're not going to fall down into a hole. So, yes. Yeah, well, you got faith, you got foodies, general discussion, guns and gear, motivating words, training, unafraid parents. You're really taking this parent thing to heart. 
Dude, I, I love I love it. I um I, I love it because I think I think so many fathers are afraid. So many fathers, from what I've seen from my friends, um, from my experiences, is I go make the money, I come back. It's kind of like the 1950s, 1960s lifestyle, right? And mom's taking care of all the kids and all the house stuff. But it's like we can't do that. Like our like fathers, especially in and mothers as well. We need to be engaged in children. We can see the crap happening around this country right now in its absence of fathers. I think that's such a huge uh, problem right there. And we're not, we're just not, we're not being there for our kids. We're not being a father. We're being there present, but we're not being there the way we should be. And I, and I, and I, I want to be the first guy to say I was guilty of this until I was pretty much forced to do it. So I kind of see things a little bit differently now. And yeah, we need to be more engaged. And I, parenting is a big deal. We're we're bringing up another generation. Like, that's a big response. That is like the one responsibility that should matter the most to us, and it doesn't. Uh, so yeah, and and we have questions. People have questions. I have questions all the time. Like, crap. How do I do this? How do I do that? And there's a ton of people out there that got the answer. So I have a community that can help each other out. And it's kind of like another social media. Like you can message people and post stuff and all that stuff and get into the discussions. But for me, when like when I go through Instagram or Facebook, it's like you're scrolling, you're scrolling, you're scrolling. Like if I want motivation, I want to be able to go to one spot and then find, get my fill. If I'm having a rough time, like I need to read something motivating. Oh, here it is. Uh, that's good. Oh, what's this one? And then, okay, I need to listen to something, some motivation that someone else recommended because I need some new motivation or whatever it is. Uh, someone else hold me accountable. Is anyone else doing a crazy diet or is somebody else going to like, I just did, I'm in the middle of doing a Bible in a year for, I think it's like my third or fourth time doing one. And yeah, I'm going to throw it out there. Like, yeah, hold me accountable. Don't let me slack. Uh, but it takes a while to fill it, like put more, um, information in there. So we're trying to, I'm trying to fill it like a couple of things a day, um, to get more content in there. But, but yeah, that's, that's where we are right now. It's fun. I love it. Well, you say not a single in there. <laughs> say it again. It fills me just putting stuff in there. Yeah. I love it. Well, one of the quotes on there says not a single person can get through this uh, journey alone. I think I that goes that. back to your team days. Yeah. I tried that. Doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're alone as you in the bottle, the pill bottle and what other crap you can find. And, so. and, and they're all empty at the bottom. So, uh, yep. Yep, they all run dry. So let me ask you, what does accountability mean to you? I think certain things, okay, I, 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 we all have our vices. We all have our demons, I would say. We have our demons. Like for me, sweets is one of them. Hands down, sweets is like one of my demons. Um, laziness can sometimes be one of my demons. So I have to put certain things and be accountable to those things uh, so I need to do that. Like, like I said, I put certain stickers or put a little post-it here or something like that, or don't buy certain things or have them in my house. I got to be held accountable. And my fiance knows about that stuff. Like, don't let me order dessert when we go out for this splurge dinner, even though I can often talk her into it. Um, so yeah, I get, you got to be held accountable. Like if someone's like, I want to lose 30 pounds in six months. Okay, cool. Tell some people about it. Cause it's a lot different if you don't, if you don't tell anyone, if it's just your little secret, then your, your brain's going to be like, ah, no one knew about it. It's not a big deal. 
there's your little demon in your head saying, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. But if I tell you and I tell my family and my friends and maybe my coworker and, you know, maybe one of them in a week. So how's the diet going? Oh, crap. They still remember. OK, so I got to do this. All right. Or they're like, hey, how's your diet going? How much have you lost? Like, that's even better. Like, show me. What'd you eat today? Let me see what you ate today. Uh, that That's accountability. And I think we all need that accountability. Some some people need that stuff. Some people need to put stuff on their computer uh, to know what websites they're going to so they don't go to certain ones. I did that for a couple of years because I needed that accountability that I went to a trusted friend and like, hey, man, here's what I'm stopping because I've learned that we're not supposed to do it and I need help. And I put my little coveted eyes or whatever the hell it's called, uh, software program, and he got a report of what I went to on my internet. That's accountability. I did not like that accountability, but it kept me accountable. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. So when it gets shit done, you go get it done. And being accountable, that's one of the ways that's going to get you through it. That's the new Eddie. Let me flip the script. Let me flip the question. What, (laughs) What did accountability mean to you? Uh, show up to work and do your job. That's your accountability. I don't think I had any accountability. And if I did, I wasn't listening. Minus, minus work, minus work. Okay. I, I don't think I had, um, I didn't, I didn't have, I didn't want so to So yourself be and your team is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to be a better me. I want to be a better seal. That wasn't me. I want to be a better me. Two different things. Absolutely. Navy, Navy SEAL. Navy SEAL is a damn title. So many people think, oh, you're a super, you can do it. No, 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 no. You get some good training. You got some good gear. You got a lot of funding and a lot of assets. You got, like, you, you, you work well as a team. You're still human. You still bleed the same blood. Uh, but the, it's not making me a better me. I want to be a better me. I want, I want people to be like, Oh, that's Eddie. Not like, Oh, that guy was a prior seal, which is, I mean, that's what you get. I understand. But like, I want to be a better me, man. That's it. So let's talk about the, I want want people better around me. I want to make them better. And I want them to freaking make me better through osmosis. Like, let's just, well, that's what I was about to say. Doesn't, you know, uh, what do they say? Uh, not teamwork makes the dream work, but like, Emotion, you know, motion creates emotion all around you and, and it, it does better things. I want to talk about the origins of the heart logo. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, actually that was, I was on Shutterstock, I believe. And I was looking up mindset, I believe, because I was just looking for something and I saw, it was kind of like a paint, paint splattered, like heart and paint splattered, um, brain. And I was like, all right, let's clean this up. So we kind of, I send it off to a logo place. I'm like, here's my, what I'm envisioning. Like, what do you guys got? And they sent it back and that's what we have. Wow. I was expecting that to be a lot deeper story. Oh no. No, but I just love the heart. Cause you got to have your heart. Into Absolutely. It. It's got to be clean and it's got to be onto it. You got to be, you got to be focused. I mean, it's perfect. It is like the perfect combination. Well, don't you think that it's the most important organ heart, no yeah, matter heart. what. Hundred percent, and and if you want to go, if we want to go back to Dad, freaking God says, "I'm judging you on your heart." The ba- I mean, it's all in your heart, man. It's on that heart. It's all on that heart. 
So when someone asks you about the heart logo from now on, I want that to be your answer, Eddie. Um, it's all about the heart. Yeah, it's uh, not that you were looking through Shutterstock. I want you, I want you to give an answer that that they'll love. The Unafraid Store. We got hats, flags, stickers, magnets, uh, net gaiters. I don't know how long we'll need those. Maybe we will again. Powder fishing. Huh, what's that? It's good for the winter time and for fishing. Just yeah, so you know. uh, yeah, and it's also uh, I joke about that. I think we're going to be back to wearing them in a couple months. So don't, don't even say it. Don't even say it. <laughs> Better not be in Texas because I'll be the guy not wearing it. Uh, powder coated travel mug, short sleeve t shirts, wristbands. Let's let's talk about that. Then what I want to talk about in the store is the important things. One on ones with you. Uh, they can book you as a speaker and then we'll talk about your social media stuff. Uh, yeah. So actually we got new products coming out here pretty soon. We're going to do a whole tiger stripe line cause it is the most beautiful camouflage known to man. Uh, so that's coming out soon. Pretty ex- uh, excited about that. And then the one-on-ones is I just noticed, um, I was getting a lot of messages, uh, about buds what do you do for diet? What do you do for exercise? How was it being a single dad? Just all these different questions. And at first I would, you know, I'd respond. And then like my, my uh, following got a little bit bigger and it, was just, it became a little bit overwhelming. Um, and then I would be getting stopped at the gym or I would go see somebody at a freaking concert and we would just start talking. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to put one-on-ones up here and they can get 30 minutes freaking one-on-one time let's let's chat it up let's talk about it and hopefully i can pour some wisdom into them and hopefully they and i'm sure in return they'll be giving me wisdom as well and that's kind of how that started and um and actually just put that up maybe a few weeks ago and so next week actually wednesday is the first one that we're actually going to do that we had available and so we got a couple guys already set up for that so pretty excited about it so uh, as a speaker, let's talk to you as a speaker. Cause as anyone can tell from this podcast, you are quite the speaker. I like to talk. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, I do too. So, uh, I, yeah, just whatever it is. I'm actually, I, I've done a couple colleges, actually one big college, uh, just little companies here and there. And then I go to my first, actually in November right now, I go to my first church, which I'm actually pretty excited about. And it's going to be just blasting me with questions and just go from there. So I'm, I'm really excited about that one. That's a, that's going to be a cool one. So, but yeah, it's just, um, I don't really seek it too much, but I started getting questions about it. Like, Hey, do you do speaking events? So I kind of made a little platform. If they want to do that, then they have a way to easily do it. And it's kind of out there. I want to point out a quick thing with your Instagram and what stuck out to me. You were, you would agree when you were dev grew, all that kind of stuff. You're a pretty private person. You said you were pretty much about you, your team, things like that. Your Instagram is the exact opposite of that. It's your day to day life. And once again, I'm going to bring up the word vulnerability. You just put yourself out there, lifting weights in the gym, food, you're eating, everything. Is it therapy? It's actually one of the hardest things I've had to do. Uh, when I when I started my company, Contingent Group, I didn't want to tell anyone anything about uh, development group 
or the the SEAL team number or anything like that. I didn't want to say anything because like, hey, we just don't talk about it. We just don't talk about it. But some business friends, some business colleagues like Eddie, that is how you're going to get your business because it's taking your experience up to here and not some degree or something like that. Not that there's anything wrong with a degree. Uh, so it was very hard for me to do. Um, and I finally did it and it, it obviously has been proven well. Uh, but the Instagram, I was like, all right, we'll do this, throw a little bit of things here. And it took me a while to do it. And then I'm like, Eddie, you got a voice, use your freaking voice. It might not be what everyone wants to hear and you're going to get some backlash, but who cares? You're you, be you, do you, and go out there. And I like posting. I like posting about my family. I like posting funny stuff. I like posting some military stuff. I'm, I'm all over the place. Like you said, food, I am all over the place. It's just like what's on my mind. That's what I'm posting. And there's really no rhyme to the reason. It's just there it is. And I love my little quotes that I come up with. I'll be working out. I'm like, oh, let me write that one down. I'm using that one. Oh, I got to post that one right now. This is good. Hopefully this – because I – I started posting, like I'd post like motivational stuff or inspirational things or like a Bible verse. And I get these messages like, hey, I really needed that right now. Like just hearing that, I'll post all day for you. If it could just one person, I mean, honestly, like it could be one person about to take their life. I mean, it really could. Uh, and if you and if you think about that way, that's just I, I, I am big into the positive words I think it's good. I don't think it's fluff. I think it's real. And I think if you're, you know, a lot of people need it. Not all people. A lot of people are like, this is gay. And they move on. But a lot of people are like, man, I really needed that because I'm going through this right now. And that just got me through to the next hour. So, yeah. I mean. But the way you got to think about that, too, is even if they say, yeah, that's not for me, that's not your audience then. Exactly. Exactly. And then, you know what? In, in two days. It might be your audience for you. It'll be a post for you. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, you know, it is, man. You know, you know, mo the media is the, the media bullies. It's hilarious. Yeah. The keyboard, I call them keyboard warriors. Yeah. Yeah. They, they motivate the heck out of me. When they get me, you're a Paul. They, they, I'm like, Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You don't you're bother me. You're a punk. As I say that from my mom's basement with my here. name yeah, on the orange yeah, juice. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. All right. Let's talk about contingent group. Uh, creatively, strategically, and vigilantly provide for all your safety and security needs at home and abroad. You make bug out buildings. Well, yeah, I don't personally. Well, like I, yeah, I don't I, mean yeah. that you build it. But. Yeah, they're they're important to have. Like with all the crap going on, and uh, yeah, it's good to have. It is good to have. Uh, we just think of the contingencies. I mean, contingent group. I mean, we think we think of the contingencies. And it's really just a spillover from my military career. We would always think of the contingencies like, hey, if only one helo can pick us up, who's going? What's happening? Where are we going? What are we doing? Uh, you got to have those contingencies. And that's what we try to think about for everyone. So really, it's just a lot of people like, oh, so you put up security cameras? It's like, well, yeah, but it's a little bit more in depth than that. So we we make the security system both cyber and physical for the person, the family, the group the organization, we make it. So it, it could be from anything from getting your vehicles, armored, unarmored, whatever it is, getting them to the hotel, being in security with them, making sure their cyber stuff's all taken care of, make sure their office building's good to go, making sure they get from point A to point B, uh, whatever it is, getting their planes over here, making sure we have 
backups in case you know their plane goes down we got to go to another way means of travel to get out of a certain country we think of, we, we try to think of it all and have it all on standby and that's just kind of what we do we just we make it uh we just we customize it for that because there's not one cookie cutter uh hey you need this this and this just like that guy needed this this is the same thing it's not that everyone's different uh one one person family versus eight people versus a company of 200 a little different so yep we customize and it's it's fun it's good nutrient survival now you of all people i i like mres you of all people should hate prepackaged food i can't stand them so nutrient survival um they reached out and they're like, hey, Eddie, do you want to kind of speak about this and be one of our influencers for it? I was like, well, send me your stuff and we'll, we'll take a look. And I really like their product. Like I really did a lot of physical stuff like that I do day to day. And I just took their stuff and it wasn't it was, it was amazing for camping. We just got back from a Montana trip, took it up there. Excuse me. Used it up there. Uh, it was good. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, it tasted good. It didn't give me any weirdness. Um, and I, so I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I was like, Hey, you can help me out because I need, I need to sell. We can sell your stuff and it's perfect for the Bob, our bug out building. Cause I want cause they got their shelf life. I think is like 20, 25 years. And that's the stuff, some of the stuff you should be having in like a bug up building. So I'm like, this works perfectly one-stop shop, but yeah, we're kind of teamed up with them and, um, I speak on their product and help them develop new ones as well. <clears throat> Anything else that you want to talk about with this company? I think you pretty much hit all the points of everything that you guys do. I, I think the biggest thing that we do, um, from what I, what I kind of mentioned before is we get the job done. We just yep. make it happen. There is no, Oh, we can't do that. We're, like we'll find, we'll, we'll make it happen. And, and we'll, that's, that's it. We will make it happen. Never had one thing come down. We're like, we can't do that. We, we yeah. always find a way to make it happen. Doesn't matter what the what the process needs to be. We make it happen. I can Effectively, safely. I can tell that in talking to you. So, uh, what's next for you, man? Man, uh, unafraid. Uh, my fiance and I. We've been talking about doing a podcast, and so we want to do a like kind of like a couples of his and hers, and just kind of talk about relationships and the realism. And we're gonna throw me under the bus again and how I was and how we met and a little bit of struggles that we, we met about three years ago. So like I said, um, some of our struggles and what we do, cause I mean, I, and this is the first relationship I'm, I'm in a relationship with my best friend. She, she is 100% my best friend. Um, she just, I got, I got a, she, she, she actually posted this today. I'm going to read this to you real fast. Okay. Don't mind. So we did that. I told you we went to a Montana trip and I was in, I always want to know where I am on a map and you really can't tell that with GPS is like you can zoom in, but I want to see it on a paper map. So we always stop at Cracker Barrel because I want to get breakfast there because I love their pancakes are delicious. Um, so she failed at being my accountability for not letting me eat crap. Right. So <laughs> I don't think we should so, throw stones at her maybe. Right. No, we won't. <laughs> so I'm, I'm picking up, they got these awesome Atlas in Cracker Barrel, which I wanted to buy for the truck or for the car. So I'm reading this, this map, just looking at this map and she, and she, she posts this today. And if I, if I get choked up, I apologize, but it's, she puts, she, uh, the titles brag post. She goes, this man gets it all done and we couldn't be more thankful to have him in our lives. We aren't a burden, but yet a blessing in his eyes. He pushes us to be better, to work together 
and mostly to enjoy life. Enjoy life, all caps, which is huge because I miss so many years of not enjoying my life. So many years. He brings out the best in us and has filled our hearts with so much joy. He's someone we can lean on, depend on, and count on to always be there. We aren't step. We aren't half. We are family. We love you, babe. Thank you for all you do. So that's my girl. I am I am in the the, the best relationship I've ever been in my entire life. I, I'm finally with my teammate. Uh, we both seek God together. It's it's beautiful. Uh, she has two kids. I have my three, so we've got like a Brady Bunch. And uh, it's, it's beautiful, man. So we're going to do a lot of stuff. I'm getting to her. I want to bring her into Unafraid some more. So she's helping out. She's helping out with design stuff and ideas and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm going to do I'm going to do a lot more things with her because she's man. She's got me, buddy. She's got she's got my heart. <laughs> well, I, I think that you don't maybe give yourself enough credit there too. the old you wouldn't be with this girl. No, I don't think because so, you no. were concerned with you. Yeah. yeah. So I think you got to give yourself a little bit of credit there too. That- yeah. No, I'm, I'm, man, I'm very happy, happy with the transformation, the change. Uh, I really, I really, really do. Um, I, I'm just, I'm very happy with my life, where it's going, how it's turned out. I, I love my experiences. I love my failures. I love my mess ups. Cause it made me into who I am today. Yeah. And hopefully I can through unafraid in the den, help others um, get through their ruts. Cause we're, we all get in those ruts, man. And it sucks to be there alone. Well, that that's awesome. Uh, I hope to meet her someday. That's uh that's pretty cool. Um, we're close, buddy. I think we'll link up. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, let, let's, uh, let's go over where people can find you. Eddie Correct. Yep, eddiepenny.com, contingentgroup.com is the business, and then Instagram, eddie.penny um, is my Instagram. Those are, those are the big ones. Facebook, I usually just try to keep it small. Family, close friends. Yeah, with with those, um, you you have the Unafraid store. You can be part of the DIN membership. Let's talk about that real quick. The DIN membership, $24.99 yearly, $4.99 a month. Uh, once again, it covers accountability, faith, foodies, general discussion, guns and gear, motivating words, training, unafraid parents. Pretty much. If you've got a topic that you want to talk about, you can talk about it on there. You can find someone who has the same problem as you, or maybe the solution that you couldn't find before. Eddie is trying to make that happen for everyone around him. Uh, man, it was an honor, an honor to meet you. Uh, it's such a pleasure to talk to you and to hear your story. Great, great talk. Yeah, uh, it's it's just so great to get your story out there, and thank you for for making yourself available for that, guys. I think that's going to be it for this week. If you want more of me, you can find me on Twitter at Doublespeak DJ. You can find me on Facebook at the DTD Podcast, and you can find me on YouTube at the DTD Podcast. Remember, you come here every week because the best stories are true, and we bring them to you. That's Eddie. I'm DJ. That's been the show. We'll catch you guys on the next one. We'll see you later.